Alright guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tube Podcast. It is Wednesday, July 5th, 2017. And after a short little break for the 4th of July holiday, we're officially back here on the podcast. Hope you had a lot of fun. Hope you stayed safe. Uh, Always a good time. But to dive into a couple of quick topics for today's episode of the podcast. Uh, First, want to touch on something I put out on Twitter late this evening. Talking about how I am kind of deep into... Doing my previews, my SEC team previews for various publications. I just finished up my Auburn season preview uh, for one publication. And, you know, Auburn is a team that I've talked about a lot this offseason. And a big reason why is because of all the attention that Austin Wiley has gotten at the USA U19 uh, World Cup event and training camp and all that. Um, and he's one a guy, you know, I wrote a story about way back in May talking about how I just thought this was going to be a breakout season for him. As we've gone throughout the summer, we've seen that that is going to be very likely just because of how improved he is. You see what he's done in terms of, you know, really just kind of sculpting his body this off season. And you have to remember, um, you know, he just, this is his first full off season there at Auburn. He did. He wasn't there last off season because he came in. Uh, as an early enrollee and so he wasn't there for the offseason program you see what it's kind of done to help him so far but looking beyond Austin Wiley Auburn is a team that's going to be talked about a lot because you know we think about everything that Bruce Pearl has done throughout his career he's always you know kind of put teams in position to have a chance to have success in the NCAA tournament Uh, did it Milwaukee did it at Tennessee and now trying to do that at Auburn heading into his fourth season. The more I look at this Auburn team, the first thing that stands out about Auburn is the depth. Uh, There is just a tremendous amount of depth on this team in in talking about what is going to be possible, both in the backcourt and in the frontcourt. I I don't think it's any reach in any way at all to think that Auburn is going to play 10 guys this year. They have that kind of depth. They had It felt like they had that sort of depth last year, ran into some injury concerns, had some other issues there. But, um, you know, looking at this roster on paper, and it's important to point that out, we always talk about this. We're in July, and you can only judge on paper. You can only judge by what you've seen, uh, you know, in recent seasons. On paper, this roster is very, very good. We talk about Wiley, Mustafa Heron's back. The top four scorers are all back. They're all going to be sophomores. You know, you include Daniel Purifoy, Jared Harper in that mix. But you also have these guys that are coming in, that are going to have an opportunity to really add another dimension, not just on offense, but most importantly, on defense. Deshaun Murray, a guy who's going to come in after sitting out, was a Presbyterian. He led the Big South in scoring 20.2 points per game uh, during his final season there. But he's also going to have an opportunity to help out on the defensive end of the floor. There's Chumo Kiki, uh, you know, a big-time freshman player who who was really impressing a lot of people at the U19 camp before he got injured. Uh, He's going to offer that same kind of production due to his athleticism. Uh, On offense, he's certainly going to be able to offer some things, but I think his athleticism also going to show up on the defensive end of the floor in being able to help Auburn there as well. Uh, You know, you go to the backcourt. 
where you talk about these guys that are really going to add, again, that next dimension, it feels like, for this team. Davion Mitchell. Uh, defensively, Bruce Pearl has said, he said this on the Marching to Madness podcast when we talked to him, he said he didn't think there was a better on-ball defender in the 2017 recruiting class than Davion Mitchell. Now, that's that's saying something. Now, certainly a coach is always going to be high on a player that he's recruited, uh, but to, to take that a step further, you know, he was talking about how he played against Jared Harper and talking about the speed that Harper brings. Um, you know, having someone like Mitchell who can defend a guy like Harper, and, you know, Pearl talked about that in the podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, but that that's impressive. You know, and, and Malik Dunbar is another guy, the JUCO transfer uh, from the College of Central Florida is going to come in. And he's a guy who, like a lot of guys on this team, are going to be able to play both as a guard and a forward. So versatility is there. Defense has to be there as well if Auburn is going to make the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2003. That's obvious. I don't think anyone is going to overlook that point uh, right now. It's just the way it's got to be. They've got to be better on defense. Finished 321st in the nation last year and allowing 79.6 points per game. That won't work this year. Not in the SEC that's going to be so improved and have a lot more offensive weapons when we talk about all these transfers that have come in. We talk about all these young talents uh, in terms of you know the young guys and all these different places that are going to be able to come in and make offenses better. Uh, that's why Auburn has to be better defensively, and that's the only way they're going to make the NCAA tournament. And Bruce Pearl knows that. He's talked about that a lot. Uh, he's talked about kind of what they've been working on this offseason if they are improved defensively. This is a team, I think, that's going to be hard to keep out of the NCAA tournament. Now, we can always talk about injuries. Sure, injuries could play a huge role. Uh, the good news there is that there is depth here. And because they have that kind of depth, uh, offensively, they're going to be hard to stop. So now it's just a matter of waiting and seeing, you know, how these new guys are going to fit into the mix, how they're going to really affect the defensive end of the floor, and seeing some of the things that Auburn's been working on this offseason. That's the biggest question mark. Is there going to be more zone? Is there going to be other ways defensively that they try to affect the game, turn that into offense? Because that's what Bruce Pearl's teams have always done. They've turned you know defense into offense. Is this team going to be able to do that? That's the question mark right now. But I'm telling you, the more you look at this team, if that is in place, if they add that defensive layer to the mix, this team is going to be very, very good this season. And another news item from today, specifically, uh, Tennessee released its non-conference schedule uh, for this upcoming season. And it's one that is, you know, I think like a lot of SEC teams, as we start to see these teams try to schedule tougher, try to add in more games against teams that are really going to help the RPI. Uh, We saw what kind of effect the RPI could have when you look at a Vanderbilt team last season. Uh, who, who gets to the NCAA tournament, the first-ever team to get there with 15 losses. It was because of their strength of schedule. It was because of their RPI. And so I think you're seeing teams trying to to really, you know, schedule tougher. And so when we look at this Tennessee non-conference schedule, you go down the list, uh, they open up with Presbyterian. They got high point. Uh, then they're in the battle for Atlantis, Atlantis, which is going to, you know, feature a, a very wide variety of talented teams um, when you talk about, you know, the possibilities there, they could certainly get games against some very, very good teams. You think about that field, uh, Arizona's in there, Villanova's in there, 
Uh, NC State in there with Kevin Keats in his first year. Northern Iowa is going to be very good. I think the Missouri Valley, uh, SMU also in there, Purdue. And then you have what Rick Stansberry is doing at Western Kentucky with a lot of good recruits coming in as well. Don't know who they're going to be playing in that yet as the, the matchups haven't been released. But, you know, that's going to certainly offer Tennessee some opportunities to play against these higher-level teams. I mean, you think about a team like Arizona, who probably right now would would be my number one preseason team, I think, and then Villanova's another team that'll be in that top 15, top 20. Uh, so, you know, th- there's going to be opportunities there if Tennessee gets the right matchup uh, to really sort of, you know, play well. I think Mercer's also on there. Mercer's a team uh, that's going to have, I think, an improved team this year. Uh, the more I talk to people around uh, that conference in the SoCon, I think people think Mercer can, can be a team that, that's kind of tough to beat. And then Tennessee will also go to Georgia Tech. We know what Josh Pastner did last season in really just exceeding all expectations. And when Georgia Tech went 21-16, and 16, they won eight ACC games. And going into the season, when we talked to Pastner on the Marching to Madness podcast, my goodness, we didn't think they would win five games all year. He himself didn't sound like he thought they'd win an ACC game. And then to do what they did, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how this Georgia Tech program continues to progress under him. So that's going to be a difficult game. Uh, Tennessee will also, you know, get a home game against Lipscomb. And Casey Alexander will be entering his fifth season there. And then the North Carolina game. We all remember last year. Tennessee took North Carolina to the wire, 73-71. And really, you know, I think down the stretch, felt like they should have won that game against the defending national champions. Uh, And that was kind of the moment, I think, we looked at this Tennessee team last year and you said, okay, Rick Barnes has definitely found something here. He's implemented a toughness into this program because they were not scared of anyone on the road. They played with a toughness all season long, it seemed like, until that late stretch where they kind of, you know, just really ran into a wall there. But that's going to be a fun game on December the 17th. Uh, they'll also play Furman, another team out of the SOCON, who's going to have an opportunity to, to have a big season. They're at Wake Forest. Um, and then they also have, of course, at Iowa State in the Big 12 SEC Challenge in late January. So th- there's a lot of opportunity on this non-conference schedule for Tennessee. Uh, you have some teams in there. You know, you think about the Iowa State, Wake Forest, North Carolina, Georgia Tech. Um, and then again, you, you have some of those mid-major teams have a chance to be sneaky good, plus the battle for Atlantis, where they could get, you know, multiple games against teams that could very well be in, in the top 20, 25 in the nation. So a uh, good schedule here for Tennessee, and it'll be interesting to see how all these pieces come into place there. Talk about James Daniel coming in for the Vols, who was the nation's leading scorer in 2015-16, and then they returned, you know, a really big chunk of last season's roster with Grant Williams leading the way, going to have another Huge year, I think, in making that freshman to sophomore jump. Uh, and again, there's just a, a lot of intriguing pieces on this Tennessee team that's going to make Tennessee another one of those teams we talk about being a potential sleeper that could really rise up the SEC rankings this season. And finally, uh, on the, the awards, the Southeast Hoops Reader Awards are going to continue to rock on here this week as I'm going to put out some more categories. By the time this podcast is released, you may have already seen one of them actually on Twitter that I'm going to put out this evening, and that is the uh, most underrated player in the SEC heading into the the 2017-18 season. I think it's going to be intriguing to see what kind of responses come out of that. You know, I have some guys that I'll bring up once we get through the awards 
but you know, th- there's a lot of places you can look. There's a lot of guys around this league that probably aren't going to get a ton of attention just because of all the big names that are there, all the big name freshmen that are coming in. But there are some rock solid guys around the league I think you don't want to overlook. And you talk about how underrated they could be in terms of the value they provide their specific team. Uh, so that should be fun just to kind of get some some different opinions on that. It's going to be interesting to see what you guys come up with there. Uh, but that's it for today's episode of the Southeast Tubes podcast. Not a lot going on, obviously, here uh, the day after the holiday here, 4th of July. So uh, really appreciate, you know, all your support of the podcast. It's really just a lot of fun to be able to talk about SEC basketball here in the offseason. And, you know, it's just something that that we're going to keep doing because there is so much excitement around this league right now that hasn't been there in a long time, especially at this point in July. There are people talking about SEC basketball and not just SEC football. That's definitely a good thing. So uh, be sure to stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Head over to your podcast app, search for Southeast Hoops. You can get everything you need there to subscribe, and that way you don't miss any of these episodes we're going to have coming up. Lots more guests coming up as well. Uh, So thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow.